we may like surprises, but none of us likes that continual surprise that equals uncertainty, especially when it involves circumstances of high risk. The pandemic has opened the door to the unknown. There's no playbook for anyone. When going to school and work in this situation of high risk, you find stress, and stress can generate anxiety. And what is it like for the little one to be at home? What are they feeling? Life becomes very difficult to plan. We don't know how to prepare. It is an unsettling situation. My daughter shared that when she was bringing her groceries in from her car into the house, her little four-year-old boy was nowhere to be seen. So she went looking for him, and she found him in a corner of his room with his arm wrapped around a box of fruit snacks. He was opening up the little packages and stuffing them in his mouth as quickly as he could. And she, she looked at him and she said, Hey, little guy, what's going on? He spoke through his full mouth and said, Mom, I heard you say there was going to be no food at the store, and I have to eat my fruit snacks now. Somehow, the stress of what we are experiencing right now reached that four-year-old boy. Hi there. Thanks for joining me today. We have so much to be thinking about, and as the new school year begins, I thought it might be of interest to visit with Dr. Matt Larson. Dr. Larson is a child psychiatrist. He works primarily with children and adolescents and discovers and works through issues with their mental health and how they relate in the family. And I asked him if he would share some surprises he might have and what he's seen in his practice since March, and then maybe some practical solutions that you and I can put into practice as we're home with our families. Well, first I'll give maybe the surprise, which is most every kid I have that has an anxiety disorder is amazingly better right now. They're far better because all anxiety is about what might go wrong, not about what does go wrong. And all the things that might go wrong in a kid's life at school, with their friends, with lunch, with who they have to sit by, who they get to sit by, the teachers, the grades, the church, the friends, all of that is gone. They have all those things they do worry about are absent. Everyone who doesn't have an anxiety disorder is far worse. A big part of it is simply the amount of time you have to spend with people you don't normally spend that much time with. It's a little like watching a married couple when suddenly one of them retires. Like one has been stay-at-home parent, one has been long-term worker, retires, gets home, and suddenly the one who's been home, it's like, no, you're in my space. And at this time I do this thing, and then I do this, and then I have free time and no one looks at me when I press next episode. <laughs> so you get that change and that's what's happened with all the families. They're used to summer and then they go back to school and we've been back in school. And now all the kids are home with a parent who's trying to work, maybe from home. And they're all in each other's space and they're all over each other's schedules. A lot of parents have, well, everyone in the world has willpower that runs out. So like with my kids, I'll get home from work. It's been a stressful day. I go home at 5.30. I'm good with my kids till about 8.30. After 8.30, I know I'm pretty much done. <laughs> I've even told them, I'm like, nice dad goes to bed at 8.30. If you're awake after 8.30 or making noise, you're not going to meet nice dad. <laughs> you're going to get irritated. Go to bed and stop. Every time they come out for water, I need another drink. After the bathroom, I just get further and further irritated. Well, now, I mean, that takes me, what, three and a half hours? If I'm home all day with my kids and it starts at eight in the morning and I'm pretty good and I'm nice and I'm helpful and patient until 1130 and then I have the next 10 hours of being upset 
and irritated and past my level of willpower. That's dangerous. And you have to readjust and you have to balance and you have to have scheduled time out of the house, out of the room. I know some people can't leave because they're so socially compacted depending on their building and their house and their city. They can't leave, but you have to find some sort of balance because you'll drive each other crazy. The nicest people, the most loving couple will drive each other nuts, stuck in the same space that much. During our conversation, I asked Dr. Larson if there was some remedy or some ideas of solutions to help with some of the confinement and mental health concerns that we have right now. And he shares these three principles, principles that you and I know and should be doing to help promote optimal mental health for our family every day anyway. Well, the three main things are the same. Everyone's been preaching forever. Eat right, exercise, sleep well. Those also are easily getting lost during this because there's no set schedule. The schedule is gone. So half the families I know are not waking up at any specific time. Their families aren't making breakfast. The things, not every family makes breakfast, but those who did aren't anymore. The bedtime is getting pushed later. Bedtime always used to be, it's seven o'clock firm or it's 10 o'clock firm, whatever. Everyone's pushing it a little later. Well, you know, it's quarantine. Everyone that used to exercise, used to make healthy meals, it's like, well, you know, it's quarantine. So will eat candy. And the more you let all those things go, that's fine on vacation. And by the time vacation's over, most people are sick of candy and they want some real food. We're getting to that point where if people aren't focusing on those three plus, almost no one's getting exercise. I mean, the gyms are closed and some places you can't go out. Finding a way to get your heart rate up multiple times a week for your entire family, you got to get it done. I tell everyone, eat right, exercise and sleep well. You can cure a lot of them and you can make almost all of them easier to manage diabetes, cancer, heart disease, all of those improve if you eat right, exercise and sleep well, just like depression, anxiety, autism, everything else. Back in the spring when we had the major interruption of school and everything changed in an instant, it seemed that K-12 families could go ahead and do their schooling. But all families noticed significant changes. Suddenly, a parent may have to work from home. The schedule of going out and running errands and attending a sports practice, everything had to change. And so families were brought inside and they had to work with one another in a close space. All sorts of challenges faced the family. So I asked Dr. Larson about what it's like to be able to share your time and pay attention to all of these critical things. Multitasking does not exist. There's no such thing. You can background task something very simple or you can switch very quickly. But when you switch, you lose a little bit. I'll, I'll give a quick example. I assume most adults have driven somewhere and when they got there, they don't remember every turn or even the stop sign they stopped at or making that turn or that exit because they've done it so many times, it was a background task. They didn't even have to think about it. Now, if suddenly a truck had come in on the side of their peripheral vision, they would have remembered that, noticed that, they would have totally forgot the radio, forgot the song, forgot the conversation on the phone, and just focused on driving safe for a moment. Because you can only actively participate in one activity. You can be on the phone talking while you easily background drive, or you can actively drive and you forget the conversation. Most of us at home, we don't even watch movies with our family anymore. We kind of watch the movie we play on our phone. 
we can't multitask our kids. We can't multitask our parents. The biggest thing we need to do is you choose who you're going to give your attention to and you give it fully for that space of time. If your kid asks for help and you can't help them, then you, you, complete, you almost completely ignore them. You say, unless it's an emergency, I need two minutes. I need five minutes. I need... And then you have to actually give them the time. Turn off the phone, the alerts, the notifications, everything. And you say, I've got time for you. Whether that's two minutes or 20 minutes or an hour, they need to know they've got your full attention. You fully switch. It's not, okay, just a second. Yeah. It's not a back and forth thing. That's why as much as you can, you turn off notifications. You turn off because some people have email alerts, text message alerts, Facebook alerts, Instagram, stock market alerts, and they're watching all of it. It's like if you didn't pay attention to those alerts for 20 minutes, you only check every 20 minutes or you check once an hour, is that enough? You'd actually get all the information you need. It's making that kind of adjustment. We should make that adjustment anyway, but now it becomes imperative. Because otherwise, kids are going to be bugging you all day long. It's like my kids know this door shut to the office. They can't come in. It could be I'm doing something for work, for fun. It could be recording a silly video for Facebook. But they know when this door shut, I'm not available. And I better open the door the moment I am available. Otherwise, they're going to learn dad just hides in the office. And they're going to knock. And they're going to come by. So you have to set boundaries and they have to know the boundary actually does open. And you will give them time. Social media can be a positive or a distracting experience during these times, especially when our older children and teens are longing for uh, belonging that they're used to. How can we best help arrange our lives so that social media does not dominate the time we have to spend with our children? I know this is going to make me sound old. <laughs> One of the best things we can ask our kids to do is when they're, not, when they're done with schoolwork, to call a friend. A lot of people won't make a phone call. A lot of teenagers won't make a phone call. My 14-year-old, she's been calling her best friend that she can't see at school because they're out of school. And they'll talk for two hours. And it's good. And it's healthy. And she makes a connection. And they can talk. And they can play off each other. And they still get the social interaction they need. And they get the fun. And they get to laugh and cry and joke about the movie and the book and all those things. And it adds a level of communication you don't get through written words. I mean, I love social media. I use Facebook. I probably post 10 times a day, if not 15 or 20. And I do a little bit on Instagram as well. I think it's very useful. I think you can spread a lot of joy, a lot of useful information. You can have silly times with friends. I love social media. But I can also ignore my family on social media. I was sitting with my sister. She came to visit. And we went out to dinner. It was about the 16th time. She's like, Matt, you've checked your phone 16 times now. Can you just be with me for an hour? It's like valid point. She's like, your fans can wait. It's like, that hurt. And it was deserved. I try to be honest. And I try to be positive, And I try to drive ideas and conversations and thought process. Like, one, I don't want people to think I'm just a philosopher sitting behind the computer. I do put things on that make people think on purpose. I put statistics of children's mental health, things parents are doing probably wrong that aren't as helpful. And then I put a silly video of me eating Cheerios, rolling off the treadmill as my kids toss them on. And then a silly video. And then I put, today was an extremely rough day and I hated it and I'm exhausted. So that I don't try to be all negative or all positive, but just put, yes, I'm a real human being. Yes, I have bad days. 
I don't have to put all the details. I don't have to slam people or there, there is purpose to political conversation as well, but it's very easily gets into just mudslinging. So I'm trying to one, enjoy it myself, have useful conversations that drive real thought and then have my kids do the same thing. My kids have email and they're starting. My oldest has a, has a Facebook account and that's as far as we've gone. They don't have their own phones. Um, we have a family flip phone they can take with them to call when needed. And that's, that's the boundary we've chosen. I think is the healthiest. If you've given your kid a phone, great. Then you have to set the boundaries and you have to make it work. And that, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Social media can be very positive. It can draw people together. It can make you realize important things. It can open your eyes to cultures and people and ideas you wouldn't see just in your city or in your school, in your hometown. When I recorded this interview, Dr. Larson was at home. And like most of us have been, he was working from there. And it's his children you can hear in the background. So I asked him what it was like to be at home more and the biggest challenge he's seen in his own home during all of this. They're on screens more. It's really hard not to. When they're available, they're going to be used. So it's trying to balance it enough to get them off when they need to be off, but also not just police it because I want to, because I think screens are evil. Because it's easy to go overboard on anything. You can say phones are evil, social media is evil, and it all can be, and it can all be good. So the biggest changes I've seen, one would, one would be cleanliness. When the kids are home all day, it gets messier. And I have to do a lot more reminding for them just to pick up basic things. What you used to be before they went to school, they all picked up breakfast. Nobody cleans up breakfast anymore. Even with us trying to schedule well and trying to do it right, it still gets messed up. So things don't get picked up. Dinner, breakfast doesn't get picked up. Rooms, beds made, just all the things we used to, we didn't get it done every day, but we used to do better and that's gotten worse. The kids will get more irritated with each other because they have more time to tick each other off. More opportunities, more things to fight about who got to be on the computer versus who was on the laptop to do their homework. Who had to switch at one time? Who got all their chores done and was ready early to watch TV with somebody else? Like, don't turn it on because I'm not done yet. There's a lot more of that. I wonder, my, my wife and I, we aren't as disciplined at going to bed on time. I still work eight to five. I'm working more than usual now. But her schedule's changed. Her life's changed. So we'll stay up and it's 11 o'clock and it's midnight. And we're watching something. It's like, why, why have we changed our routine? My work stayed the same. The kids are still doing schoolwork. Let's be disciplined and get it back. Thanks, Dr. Larson. It's becoming more and more clear that we're going to have to settle into this new way of experiencing the world for a little while. So here we are sheltering in our homes with our families, and a new school year is about to start. K-12 families are pretty used to this way of life. New K-12 families and families from traditional schools are struggling trying to understand how it all works. And it's easy to fixate on all the things that we've had to give up to keep ourselves and everyone around us safe. It's a good thing to remember that mental health is a critical thing. Recently, while listening to NPR, I came across Dr. Sue Varma. She was discussing the four M's of mental health. The four M's are mindfulness, mastery, meaningful engagement, and movement. Mindfulness isn't just meditating, but it's orienting yourself to the present and accepting your thoughts and your feelings and the sensations that are going on around you. 
And it's accepting those thoughts and feelings of the family that you have surrounding you as well. It's being in the present, focusing all five of your senses to create a state of mindfulness. The second M was mastery. I was really excited to see this because now with a new school year starting, it's a great time to focus on personal growth and development, not only for the children who are now schooling at home with you, but for you. There may be something you have always wanted to do or to learn, or maybe you could focus on those children and teaching them and mirroring what it's like to learn. They can see that it's a challenge, but step-by-step you can master skills that are going to be required in their education. The third M was meaningful engagement. Boy, we need people. (laughs) I know I do. You know, connecting through phones and text and all the online tools that we have isn't quite the same. It's not as fulfilling as reaching out to my loved ones and family that are a distance and having a a great relationship that I'm used to -to face-to-face. It is healthy to connect regularly, still reaching out to people, still making that special effort to build friendships. And it's critical for our high schoolers and middle schoolers to do the same. I hope that meaningful engagement will be a part of your mental health in the family. Movement was the fourth M. The connection between our brain and our body, boy, it's a two-way street. Exercise, getting out, getting a walk, really helps regulate anxiety. It eases stress and it can relieve depression. Like Dr. Larson said, these are some of the things that uh, sleeping, eating right, exercising, those are things that are going to help us no matter what. But during this time, it's really important to get out there and move. Even if you just turn on the music and clean the house to some rock and roll tune to have a good time. We will include a link to Dr. Varma's presentation in our podcast notes. So as a new school adventure begins, I wish you the best. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to K-12 on Learning. To learn more about K-12's tuition-free online public schools, the Destinations Career Academies, or the international and private school options, please go to k12.com. We invite you to subscribe so you can join us next time for K-12 on Learning.